Hey, this is David Roark, the producer of Culture Matters. Thanks, as always, for listening to this podcast and taking part in all the resources we're doing here. Before we get into this episode, I just wanted to let you know up front that given the subject matter, which is pornography, there are some heavy and traumatic things and stories shared on this episode that are difficult to hear and may be extremely difficult to hear for those who have experienced this kind of trauma firsthand. I also wanted to mention that with a topic as broad and vast as pornography, we weren't able to cover every aspect of it. All that to say, I hope you find this episode to be insightful and helpful. Thanks again for listening. You're listening to Culture Matters, a podcast of the Village Church Resources. This is Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my co-host, as usual, the Adam Hawkins. Adam, how are you today, buddy? Indescribable, man. Indescribable, uncontainable. Yep. Yeah, I believe you're just going to work in the biggest uh, ambiguous vocabulary you can on how you're doing. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it, dude. You really are indescribable. I, I wish I could describe you right now to the people who can't see you, but I love you, buddy. I love you. Well, we're joined today by my good friend and fellow Eastsider from Eastside Community Church, Miss Asia Pearson from Pure Hope Ministries. Asia, how you doing? I am describable. All right. <laughs> I am doing well. <laughs> That's awesome. Doing well. Well, Asia, I'm so glad to have you on here with us. On this uh, episode, we're going to do a deep dive into the issue of pornography from the sin of sexual addiction to the sin of human exploitation and trafficking. Asia, I'm so glad you're with us. This is going to be a great episode. Well, we've been wanting to do this episode for a really long time. Every time I feel like we sit down as as the, the show group and we talk about what are the episodes we want to do, we've talked about human trafficking, we mm-hmm. talk about pornography, because it is such a huge cultural issue for Christians. It's a big deal. But for our culture, you couldn't be in America and not be aware of it. In fact, mm-hmm. one of the issues with pornography is the early exposure to it, that younger and younger kids, men and women boys and girls are being exposed to it and are aware of it and deal with the ramifications from it. And then sex trafficking in a more interesting and maybe more invisible way, people don't realize how involved they have been in it mm-hmm. or how uh, unaware of how pervasive it might be around them. But this is one episode we've really wanted to do. So let's start by talking about sexual addiction and pornography and why we'd be talking about this. But before we do, Asia, tell us a little bit about uh, Pure Hope. Why why is this a topic that, that you're interested in or what kind of work do you guys do? Yeah, so our ministry really seeks to equip the church, specifically parents and leaders within the church, disciple makers is how I think we would say that, um, with God's better story of sex. So a lot of us probably grew up hearing a story that maybe was very um, shame-based, rules-based, and God actually has a really compelling narrative. And I think that's you know what we're going to talk about today is porn is a complete destruction and antithesis of that narrative. Yeah. Um, and so, yes, it's a big problem, but the the idea and the name Pure Hope, the reason our ministry is named what it is, comes from 1 John 3, 3. Everyone who has this hope fixed on him being Jesus purifies himself as he is pure. So it's a pursuit of Christ um, and a pursuit of him and him purifying us that actually releases us from every form of bondage. That's awesome. Mm. Well, Adam, I just mentioned a minute ago that you and I and uh, the other guys involved with the show, we've been talking about trying to do an episode on this topic for a while. Why? Tell me why. Why do we, why should we do a podcast? If we're talking about culture, talking about faith, why talk about pornography and sexual addiction? I think um, because of the ubiquity 
Um, I don't know. Well, first of all, just to take pornography on its own, I think there's a sense in which it really is everywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's even sort of become mainstream, mm-hmm. uh, meaning like porn stars, you know what I mean? Like just so the whole industry is not off to the side or shunned or not, not, I mean, maybe a little bit, but not really, you know, it's, it's mainstream. It, it makes his way as jokes into almost every sitcom and et cetera. Yeah. I started watching friends again yeah. as a nostalgic, Ooh, it's on Netflix. I used yeah. to watch this as a kid and yeah. that show almost single-handedly normalized pornography. Oh, yeah. And when it's, I flipped yeah. on Netflix today, they always have that feature. Sure. That's kind of the landing page. Yeah. And I don't even know what the show was, but I just saw BDSM and I was like, this yeah. is a show, not quote unquote porn. Yeah. yeah. What does BDSM stand for? Bondage, domination, and sadomasochism. So and that's essentially, like a warning on the show, like, or if this oh, is what no, you're that's looking for, the, that's what it's called. The, I I did a double take, and the it's the it's the feature, the you know just the backdrop. So if your kids turn on Netflix, if anyone turns on Netflix in the house, this wow. is what the current Netflix original feature is, and it's some show, and something in the description was about some relationship where they just make BDSM kind of work for them. Yeah, wow. which is, you know, people would say maybe that's not porn that it. That is porn. Well, this yeah. is one of the issues is, is the reason it's pervasive. I think our definition of pornography right. as a culture has changed sure. over the last 50, 60 years too. We're now, and I've said this on earlier episodes, where in, in my household, we consider anything pornography where people are undressing, talking about undressing, where people are having mm-hmm. sex, talking about having sex, whether it's in real life or in a magazine or whether it's an mm-hmm. image or whether it's a moving image. That to us is there's a version of pornography in there because yeah. it's something that is uh, exploiting somebody else uh, to fulfill the lust of my mm-hmm. own heart, my own desires, or certainly to draw me away from uh, the better story of, of, yeah. of love with my wife with a one long-term monogamous relationship with somebody yeah. else. I uh, think that is important what you just mm-hmm. said too because I think when we say sexual brokenness, I think mm-hmm. there are people out there who will immediately – know what that means and mm-hmm. think about what that means. I think there are a lot of people out there who may try to categorize it at sort of maybe a far end of a spectrum. And I think there's a sense in which we need to all realize that as part of this fallen world that we live in, there is a sexual brokenness that all of us mm-hmm. are going to have to deal with. Now, yeah. I don't want to say that that's that it's the same story for everybody. That's not what I mean. But what I do mean is... Um, Yes, pornography is ubiquitous, but it's ubiquitous because of the state of our human hearts and because sexual brokenness is ubiquitous as well. And that's what I so I they're tied together in a way that at first blush may not be um may not be uh, uh, apparent. And I hope we are able to sort of tease that out and get yeah. into it a little bit. So well, helpful. I think going going into kind of what you were talking about, Adam, the definition of pornography. So mm-hmm. there's a kind of very technical definition that is a really good starting point, but we have to expand from there. And so that starting point is the word itself. One is in our Bibles as porne, pornographos, pornographine. Um, It comes from the Greek, which is literally depictions of prostitution, which break that down further. It's depictions of commercial sex, depictions of exploitative sex. That is what 
by definition, technically pornography is. Mm. But as you were saying, we have as, as believers and followers of Jesus, especially, we have to expand that and understand. There's another definition. This is the one I like to work off of, where pornography is really anything that is intended to incite arousal in you that is outside of God's covenantal design and story of sex for a single man or woman bearing his image or for a married Married. husband and wife engaging in sexual activity. Super helpful. Let's talk a little bit about stats real quick. And Asia, you may know more that I don't even have listed here, but uh, 64% of young people ages 13 to 24 actively seek out pornography weekly Mm -hmm. or even more often. That's two thirds of young people. Porn sites receive more regular traffic than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined each month. Human trafficking is a $150 billion industry. That's a ton. Can you define real quick for us human trafficking too? You just defined pornography so well. If somebody's going, what is this issue? What are we talking about? What is human trafficking? Yeah, so human trafficking, again, is a bigger umbrella term. So I think to stay in the discussion today, let's go with sex trafficking specifically. Okay. Um, and that is taking, that is a sexual act that it, that comes by force, fraud, or coercion. Um, automatically, if there's a minor involved, it's sex trafficking. Sure. Um, because that is clearly force, fraud, or coercion. But so many, you would, I mean, you would be shocked how many things legally would actually fall under the umbrella of sex trafficking and how many people have been trafficked who don't even... They don't know. They don't even know. Yeah, I've heard so many stories where when somebody goes into a school and describes what coercion into sex acts look like, the yeah. women raise their hands and say, that happened to me. I didn't yeah. know that's what was happening. I, I did a um, Bible study with a group of women who are actually coming out of sexually ex- um, exploitative stories and circumstances. And the week that this woman was actually co-leading and facilitating this study was the week on defining sex trafficking and looking at the Bible and what it has to say. And that was when she finally was able to make the connection that that's what happened to her. Mm. Cause in her mind, it was just what her uncle did and her sister did. And her, it was family. It was yeah. familial. It, it was became just normalized for them. Yeah. Mm. And so, I mean, so much of what happens on a college campus is technically mm. assault, commercial sexual exploitation yeah. mm. where something of value is exchanged for a sex act. So it's mm. incredibly rampant. Well, how big a problem is pornography in our culture? We just said two thirds of people are exposed to it. Why? And I, I, we should say at the beginning too, our culture not only accepts pornography, in many ways our culture celebrates it, mm-hmm. celebrates it as something to uh, not just do apologetically or shamefully, but something to indulge in, yeah. something that is uh, perfectly fine, reasonable, and healthy for everyone. But pornography, I believe as a Christian man, is a problem, not only mm-hmm. for those people who uh, consume it, but for those who are exploited in it. And for so many reasons, mm-hmm. it is not what the Lord's called us to. Why is it a big problem? Yeah. So I think we keep talking about the ubiquity here. And um, I th- exactly what you're saying, Adam, so many people within culture would not describe it as a problem. But mm-hmm. um, we listed a couple stats here. There's actually a really great study called The Social Cost of Pornography. And that actually does a great job of stepping outside. Okay, maybe you know, for someone who's not a person of faith, um, you know, maybe they think, hey, I don't believe in God, so it's no problem. Maybe that's where they see, oh, you people over there have a problem with it, but I don't. But there are actually um, pretty dramatic just social costs. I mean, it it has 
neurological impacts. Um, right. One of our friends of our ministry, Dr. Struthers, actually has uh, done research, written a book for men on how porn hijacks the male brain. He's also done a ton of research, and I've been begging him to let me write this book for him, literally pin his words down of how <laughs> he's done a ton of research of how it hijacks the female brain as well. I mean, there are yeah. neurological, relational um, jobs, productivity levels. There's mm. a ton of fallout and breakdown even culturally, yeah. Um, even for people who wouldn't say that they have a faith and because they don't have a faith, they don't think they have a problem with it. That's excellent. Yeah, so, so we would say pornography is detrimental to the human mind, body, spirit. Society, and, community, yeah, absolutely. work life. Because, yeah. because part of what happens when you use pornography is maybe the reason you, just like drug addiction, just like mm -hmm. any other types of addiction, the first step in may be related to lust or to sex, but what it becomes is about what you said, living a false narrative. It's a fantasy distraction, numbing out. You start to actually self-medicate mm -hmm. with it, uh, especially for those who are who are addicted, right? So now Good. we're kind of using some different language. But I do think that's important is I think a lot of times, uh, especially again, I just want to say for those who are addicted, pornography can be a whole lot less about sex, which this is a misnomer mm -hmm. for a lot of people. It can be a whole lot less about sex and a whole lot more about control. Ego. Avoiding feelings. Yeah. Uh, uh, that almost a self-medicating type mm -hmm. of behavior uh, and then effect. So when you see skyrocketing rates of those who are uh, engaged in pornography on a regular level of anxiety and depression and isolation and lack of vulnerability and all these kind of things, lack of real meaningful relationships and all that, yeah. well, it's not just because they're in, it's like, oh, I just want to indulge in some sort of mm -hmm. sexual thing. It's like, oh no, yeah. this, this has now become a full-blown coping mechanism, a way of life, a story I'm entering into that's yeah. different, you know? So I've heard people describe it before as like, well, um, people who don't believe the same way I do about porn. And Asia, I'd love to respond to this because I think it's very common and I'm sure you'll be great on this. They'll say uh, indulging in pornography where it's created, uh, I, I think there's a version of pornography they say, I can forget the term they use, where it's like created uh, in a way where these people are not exploited, everybody's mm -hmm. getting paid and it's, it's, uh, uh, well-sourced pornography and they'll say, see, this is a victimless issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If somebody said to you, pornography is victimless, how would you respond to that? It's not. <laughs> would be the short answer. Yeah. Um, so, well, one, we did talk about most pornography. If people are going to try to argue that case, that's fine. Most pornography and most of the pornography that, that you know, people are seeking out is by definition, it is sex trafficking. It is a commercial sex act. It is something of value, whether that be money or whatever being exchanged for a sex act, or it's someone who's um, a minor or someone who's being forced to do something, even just by the intimidation of having cameras and producers. And, um, you know, we don't know their history. We don't know their story. We don't know the molestation that they experienced when they were four years old. And then no one wakes up and thinks, you know what I want to do when I grow up as just a healthy, high functioning mom and dad love me, grew up in church. That's and it. I would like to, that's, right. that's, that's not what happens. But if we wanted to argue, Hey, this is well paid and everyone's opted in full free agency. Um, my colleague, Noel was a former lawyer, and so he actually has done a great job describing this in kind of a legal analogy that I think has been helpful. Um, when you're in a courtroom and you have a witness on the stand, they're telling you their story, and your job is to l listen to that story and say, well, is that credible? Is that true? Mm -hmm. So I think that's what we're talking about. First and foremost, 
that's likely not true. That's likely not the type of porn that people are engaging in. That's likely not really what's happening for most um, people who are actually behind the scenes. It's not, oh, just complete healthy free agency. I've decided to do this with my life. Um, but if we want to go there, the next step is then, what? well, what does virtue say? Say that is true. Virtue, the response of virtue, the response... Um, that Jesus would have for right. us as believers and followers of him that we would have is to say, I don't want that for you. And so I think um, that needs to be our become our response. And I wanted to talk about that for a second. Adam, you as a pastor, yeah. somebody comes to you and they say, uh, why am I not supposed to look at pornography? You can list out all the detrimental things we just listed. Here's what's, here's the- uh, Effects it'll have on you. Yeah, here's the business you're contributing to. Here's the exploitation you're contributing to. What would you say is it pertains to not only the detriment to their soul, but to say, it's, tell me as a pastor, what does the Lord have to say about it? Yeah, and I, before I jump into that, I just want to say, I do think there are a lot of people who would say on the face of it, you, what you guys are describing is not my experience of pornography. Mm-hmm. You're fear-mongering. Mm-hmm. And I've read mm-hmm. the articles. I've read articles where people are saying, okay, you're talking about all these minors and all this stuff, but like we have laws and I know you go on this site and look up a run-of-the-mill thing and it's produced by some Hollywood deal and all this kind of stuff. It's like everyone's getting paid, everybody's opted in, nobody's a minor, I'm not seeking that out, all that. I mean, that uh, that's probably... That argument. Is, that argument, yeah. and that's probably what a lot of people would say too, you know? Sure. Um, and, and probably a lot of their experience, but what I think the key, some of the key points that what we were just pointing out is you don't know, first mm-hmm. of all, you are harming yourself. There are things you are doing. It is harming you. We just talked about it, anxiety, depression, isolation, et cetera. But the other thing is you, and that's that key point is that the actors, actors, right. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm air quoting for those who can't see me, which is everybody, uh, <laughs> besides the two of you, um, uh, we don't know their stories. Yeah. And and again, I think to emphasize that point of, man, nobody wakes up and says that's what they want to do with their life. You well, know? And, you're, I, and, and in pornography, you are, you are by nature exploiting somebody else for your own purposes. Yeah. You are fulfilling a lustful objectification. desire. Yes, you are making them an object, a product to serve you. And exactly. that, among many other reasons, mm-hmm. makes it a detriment too to your ability. Pornography impairs your ability to be in one long-term monogamous sexual relationship. That's right. Exposure to the same way that casual sex would. Or to experience would. fullness of intimacy That's right. with the Lord. Absolutely. And how so, many people have we counseled for whom pornography was I'm, an entry into it, two, for whom yeah. pornography yeah. has been a pervasive issue in marriage, even if it was a long time ago exposure. And so to think that like, hey, when I'm 14 and I just want to look at something and I just want to masturbate with this yeah. this image or something to think like, oh, this is victimless and it's innocent or it's so common that it's okay. Yeah. To me, that is so detriment. So but what I want to be careful of though, and, I, and the reason I'm saying it is what I want to be careful of is I do think a lot of people's experience when they're hearing the words minors, they're hearing all mm-hmm. these words, what they don't understand that... Um, there is a sense in when even if you are just watching I, and I'm these terms are not good terms but hear me like run of the mill pornography mm-hmm. right the person Soft who's saying core. yeah whatever yeah. i'm just coming in and i i did my air quotes yeah yeah you did your air quotes <laughs> there what you're doing though is it's almost like by proxy fueling something yeah. like to say well i just am going to be involved in this part of the industry without it having an effect on another part of the industry is naive at best and really a willful willful, willful ignorance um but to your point of the question, I think which is the better question is for a Christian, the better mm-hmm. question is, well, first of all, it's sin. Yeah. And 
And and what we know about what the Bible says about sin and what the Bible says about human flourishing is that um, this will, one, not lead to human flourishing, and two, it displeases the Lord. Yeah. And so you will not live uh, a, a full the fullness of life if you are participating in this. Uh, and it would also say there's lots of hope for you, which I know we'll get to, but... That's yeah. that's something I wanted to even just extend through as we're talking about, you know, again, for lack of a better term, softcore, run of the mill. I think um, what I hear as a woman who interacts and speaks mm-hmm. with a lot of women is, um, yes, there are men and women struggling with pornography in, you know, these classical ways we would define it. But also, and I see this for men and women, there are men and women, I think we can extend the conversation here, who are just struggling with maybe they're masturbating, looking at the ceiling and think that's not causing any harm yeah, or, yeah, yeah. That's good. you know, talking about um, movies or books that maybe aren't, you know, no one's no one's being abused in the pages of this book. The 50 it's shades just yeah, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just a book or it's just a show. And um I think that's where what you were saying, the idea that it's sin and it displeases God, it it also it distances us from him. Cause that's I think right. a lot of people yeah. will say, Well, hey, I'm you know, I'm single, I'm not married, I can't act on these things, or I'm you know, I'm married and maybe my husband and I need to spice things up or my spouse or whatever it is. There's all kinds of reasons and justifications we have. And I think really what the Bible would say to any of us in any of our sins, and I know we're kind of moving this direction, and this is this is where I go when people ask, you know, questions about pornography and what do I do and where do I go from here? I don't think the answer is stop. I think the answer is start looking at the better story and the better narrative and the better things that God has for you. Because I, th- I, I know there's people listening to this episode out of um, maybe some anger, maybe some curiosity. People are coming from a lot of different angles, but I know there are people coming to this episode saying, I've tried everything mm-hmm. and I'm stuck here. And part of the reason so many people are stuck here is because it's predatory on both sides. It's That's not just right. predatory yeah. for the people who are um, behind the camera on film. Sure. It's also predatory. The reason we hear young children, mm-hmm. um, and sometimes I even see people have accidentally stumbled on our website. I can see the search terms that got them there and mm, they're yeah. not pretty. And they're clearly young children looking for things that they know nothing about. Sure. Um, I know the first time I ever encountered pornography, I was in sixth grade in my computer lab with my teacher over my shoulder looking up my assignment and it just popped up on the screen. Mm. There are innocent... um, accidental ways that people get into this. And I think over time, those accidents maybe turn into repeated incidents. Mm -hmm. Maybe over time it turns into intent. I'm, you know, I'm seeking this out, but ultimately um, what the Lord is saying to us is it's not just wrong because it's sin. It's bad. It's, it's sin and it's distance from him and he doesn't want that for us. And there's a reason he warns us against things and it's not just arbitrary, right? He doesn't just say, well, that's sin. Just don't worry about that sin. So there are detriments to it. There are dangers to it. And there is a better story to it. And it is, I I can't tell you, man, this episode could be three hours long. I can't tell you how many with couples I've spoken to or men I've spoken to or women I've spoken to where women feel like, well, this is my fault. I didn't sufficiently mm-hmm. meet his needs, so he's running to this. Or men feeling justified in running to mm-hmm. pornography because they feel lonely or feel just helpless to it or feel like it's so normal and so common that there must be no victory for it mm-hmm. for anybody. They can't believe that it exists for themselves, let alone those who have gone and said this is an addiction and I cannot well, by stop. The time, well, by the time it comes out, right, for, for most men, we know this from being in recovery and all these things. Yeah. By the time it comes out for most men, uh, it's 
probably for many uh, uh, um, been a long term thing. Yeah. And so there is a sense of what and for women (laughs) and what for what you're saying, um, that sense of there's people listening who are thinking, I've tried everything. It's hopeless. It's that kind of. um, And so I do think and and I think the definition of sin is really important there, because what we're not saying is just this empty morality thing. You know Mm -hmm. what you said about distance from God. I mean, I think that's actually the definition, you Mm -hmm. know, Um, uh, it is an it is a. Uh, focusing on a trajectory that takes you away from the Lord, which yes. is not fullness of life, which is not fullness of joy. And so the argument isn't just don't do it because it's bad to reiterate. The right. argument is there is something better mm. for you. And yeah. that, and, and here's the picture that God paints. Yeah. yeah. And part of that, I keep, I, for lots of reasons, I keep going back to James where you have like, you have not because you ask not mm. you lust and do not have. And so you commit murder, That's which right. is exactly exactly verbatim what happened with David and Bathsheba. And that's a lot of what's happening with pornography. um, If you're not familiar with that story. Um, But just that idea of when we are going to pornography, when we are going to binge watching a show that maybe is on the outskirts of being pornography or a book or whatever it is a fantasy, whatever it is, we're looking for something. And mm-hmm. you you mentioned a couple of things, maybe looking for stress relief, maybe looking for um, entertainment. Anxi- entertainment, maybe looking for, you know, intimacy, looking for friendship, looking for something to pass the time. We're looking for something. And that's, right. and that's what we're getting at when we're saying there's a better story is God wants us to turn to him mm-hmm. and confess all the way down at that level, not just, you know, I think a lot of people, I hear this from men and women, they kind of get in maybe accountability groups or confession and it's just kind of a time of, oh, I, you know, I stumbled again or, oh, I still am struggling with that. And it's not, it's not the real confession of I feel lonely Mm -hmm. or I feel really anxious or I feel really whatever it is. And, and getting to a place where we can turn to God in that moment and say, Hey God, I'm about to click on this website. Yeah. And just start to let that be the starting point of our yeah. prayer, just letting him in. Yeah. He wants he wants to be not he wants he is there with us. Yeah. And he wants us to know that when he's, you know, Adams, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking about the original Adam. When God is saying, Where are you? Mm-hmm. He's also saying, Hey, yep, I'm, I'm right here. here. Yep. I'm right here. I'm with you. So. Yeah, I think uh, the emotions you brought up are really good. And we'll talk about those more in here in just a second. I do think a, a confession of, hey, this is why I ran to it. But also being an honest confession of saying this is the way pornography makes me feel. Yeah. Because there's such a shame around it to be able to say, like, I run to pornography because pornography makes me feel loved, makes me feel yeah. happy, makes me feel in, in control. control. Yeah. yeah. Makes me, it feeds my ego. You don't have to be being honest. Yeah. It, you get it to feels experience safer. a false intimacy with somebody yeah. on a screen in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't actually have to deal with the pain of real relationship. Or satisfy a curiosity. Or satisfy, or exactly. It's so, it can be so many things. You yeah. indulge in something we don't want other people to know about. So yeah. many um, guys that I've counseled and, uh, and again, this is not just a men problem. I think it's mm-hmm. good that you point that out. So it would be similar, I think, with women is the, the start is absolutely saying that moment you just talked about where it's mm-hmm. like, I feel lonely, so I will do X or I feel curious, so I will do X or I feel so I'm about to click on this screen. I think the start is to re- is to start to learn how to sit in the pain of life and bring it before the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, because what the reality is, you're not going to es- what sit you're doing with it you, to life. sit in desires, yeah. to sit in the curiosity, to sit in all those things and mm-hmm. bring it to the Lord and have a relationship with the Lord. I think that's the first place where you start that healing, because it's not 
if all you do, which I hear from uh, people all the time, if all you do is you transfer from pornography to video games or from do you, do yeah. the sure. other Some distraction, other. Yeah. Trade an idol. Yeah. you trade an idol, you're going to end up right back in the same place, you know? Okay. So you brought up David and Bathsheba and Psalm mm-hmm. 51 is such a famous response to that where he says, Hey, this sin is between me and God. And he says, God, this is against you. But obviously in pornography, I'm sinning against my spouse, or maybe for you, it's your future spouse if you're involved in pornography. But also so much of this, um, uh, the issue of shame is wrapped up in all this, right? Where where people are so slow to say, not only they looked at it, they want to wait for a month or two before they confess they looked at something they Mm -hmm. shouldn't have, but they're also slow to say what they looked at, what Mm -hmm. happens in it. Is it violent? Is Mm -hmm. it uh, pedophilic? Is it uh, what happens in there? Is it indulging in some secret fantasy Mm -hmm. or is it a particular person or a particular sex act? All of it, shame is wrapped up in there. And I know in Genesis, it talks about mm-hmm. shame being one of the first reactions in Adam and Eve once sin enters the world. Asia, you, you're you in this world all the time. Can you talk to just somebody who's listening to this going like, I just feel too much shame to confess, or I feel like shame is my natural response when we talk about pornography. Yeah. How do you address shame? Yeah, so shame is the natural response. And you went back to Genesis. We we want to cover ourselves in fig leaves. Oh, I messed up. Oh, now the enemy's mocking voice is all I hear. Mm-hmm. I feel shame. I want to hide and mm-hmm. I want to cover. Um, so that is a very natural response. But I think just, I think people getting to hear and for us to get to testify to places in our lives where we have out of that shame confessed to the Lord and just ran full into him um, or let him come and grab us. Um, I think hearing that and we see in scripture and in the book of Proverbs, it says confession finds compassion. Confession always finds compassion with Mm. our father. Always. When the prodigal comes home, father's running to him. That's good. It, and that is always, always, always the case. And I do think there is a sense in which people are scared um, of the consequences and the fallout. Well, if I confess, what's going to happen to my marriage? What's going to happen to my friendships? What's going to happen to my computer? What's going to, you know, what's going to happen to yeah. all these things that I hold dear? And there is not a single person that I have ever, ever, ever walked through any aspect of this journey on any end of the spectrum with that has ever regretted confessing. It's, and that doesn't mean confession didn't lead to a messier oh, life, yeah. right? It oh, yeah. It's completely, yeah. you know, I've seen, I have seen marriages go through the ringer. I've seen people go through, the, but every single person who has started to bring their sin, all of it out into the light has found light, has found hope, has, mm-hmm. has found that on the other side of that it's is good. exactly what they're looking for, exactly what they were going to pornography for in the first place, rest, intimacy, delight, pleasure, all mm. of these things are found, we know, in Jesus and also through the real relationships that can only come by letting him cover us. And that's, that's what we see in the Genesis story. The fig leaves come off and the garment of salvation by blood sacrifice comes yeah. on. And that's Yeah, let me speak to that have. too. There's a, there's a doubt that I find in a lot of men when I talk about pornography, doubt that it ever will not be a struggle. Mm-hmm. And it is a reality that there are some sin that we might struggle with our entire lives. Sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. We see that in Paul when he asked for the thorn in the flesh to be removed. I don't know. We don't know if that's sin, but we know that Christ's response is my grace is sufficient Mm -hmm. for you. Mm -hmm. And that's a reality. Sin may not be conquered in this life, but the reality is it might be. Mm -hmm. We do see people see victory in this life Mm -hmm. over sin where pornography is not only no longer something they're interested in, it's an aversion to them where they no longer want to indulge in something that exploits someone or objectifies someone or serves themselves. And I I do want to speak some 
hope yeah. into these listeners too to say, if you're listening to this and this has been a lifelong struggle, I'm not saying, I'm not promising things will yeah. be better. I'm promising bringing things to the light is good because it's what the Lord's asked of us. And there is hope for victory ultimately for sure in Christ. Yeah. But even in this life, there's hope. What are you so going to say, Asia? I, I want to speak to that because I actually just came here. I grew up right across the street and I just came from my high school Bible study leader's house. And her name is Miss G. And I remember, you know, various issues I was struggling with in college. I come back from college, go to her house. You know, how are you doing? How are things going? Oh, they're fine. We call it the Miss G double pat because she leans across the table and she pats it twice and says, how are you doing? And just looks <laughs> at me. And I was like, bah! and it just all comes out. But there, there are people like that. Mm. And God is like that. God is leaning in and saying, no, where are you? Mm -hmm. How are you really doing? And I remember what came out of that. And this is just my honest experience with some various sin struggles I've had. What came out of that is ultimately she said, hey, I want to, you know, I want to pray with you. What are some things you think we should be praying for? I don't know. Pray that this would stop or I would think that or whatever. Ultimately, she's taking notes and she goes a lot more intense than anything I ever said. And she ends up ultimately writing, okay, we're praying that you would be disgusted by your sin. And I'm like, well, that's not what I said. And she flips this little notepad around to me and she mm -hmm. says, can you, can you agree to pray with me for these things? And I looked at her and I was honest and I said, honestly, I probably am not going to. Mm -hmm. And she flipped that notepad around and looked at me and said, well, I will. Mm -hmm. And that, that is the Lord. That is his just fervent love coming after us. And, and there are people like that in our lives. And so I do want to say for whatever that sin is, you know, for people listening, thinking maybe that sin is pornography or masturbation or whatever variant it is thinking I'm stuck. You're not. No one, no one is stuck here. The Lord is Definitely coming after alone. us and saying, hey, yeah. even if you're in the place where right now you are going to continue to pre pursue your sin and you are not going to pray, the Lord is saying, I'm coming after you. Good. I'm here. Well, I want to talk more about that and about how the gospel applies to this issue as we wrap up here in a minute. But before we do, uh, before we get to an interview and then to a wrap up, let's take a minute to talk about our sponsor. We're here with Don Brewster. Don, before we jump into some questions we've got for you, can you tell us a little bit about your ministry, about Agape International Missions? Sure. Um, our, uh, our ministry fights sex trafficking in Cambodia, and, and actually throughout Southeast Asia. Uh, we're kind of holistic method, which we think is one of the reasons we've been able to have success. Uh, that means is we uh, battle both on, uh, on the front of prevention, on rescue, restoration, and reintegration. And when all four of those are being fought at the same time, uh, progress is actually made in reducing trafficking, not just helping individual girls who might be rescued. So uh, that keeps us pretty busy. I bet it does. Well, we've been talking a lot on this episode we're doing right now about uh, pornography and about its connection with sex trafficking. Can you help us understand how those two things might be connected? Sure, sure. Uh, well, first of all, if you, if, when you uh, engage in pornography, you're, you're engaging a prostitute. Right, the, the mm -hmm. woman that's in there is being paid to have sex. So you're engaging with a prostitute, and much of the time you're engaging with a victim of sex trafficking, women who don't want to be there. Uh, in addition, you're participating in an organized crime. Organized crime is, uh, is a major factor in the distribution 
uh, in production of pornography. Uh, and then you fuel sex trafficking because the same pornography that you're watching uh, results in the need for more women who will be victims of the uh, the pornography. Uh, if you guys have been checking it out at all, you'll, you'll know that the uh, where pornography is growing, it's growing in the most violent areas where it's mm-hmm. most violent against women and the uh, resulting behavior of uh, men towards women uh, results in, again, more trafficking and demand uh, continues to grow. Wow, that's really helpful perspective. Uh, can you share with us, I bet in the ministry years that you've had there, um, you guys have been uh, first responders in some ways and certainly eyewitnesses to some of the stories that maybe our listeners would have no idea these kind of things are going going on, either rescues or, or things that would be helpful perspective when it comes to human trafficking or when it comes to pornography. Can you share with us any of those stories? I know they're personal. I know they're, they may even be emotional, but what kind of things uh, is Agape International Missions, have they been exposed to or are they involved in? I think one of the worst cases was uh, an American pedophile who came to Cambodia and for, for years was abusing young girls. And uh, when he was finally, when he was finally caught, you know, there were five girls that were rescued that came into our care. And one of the girls was uh, Rex Mai, who was sold by her mom when she was just eight years old. Uh, and she spent months, months with this pedophile who raped her multiple times each day. The federal agents who rescued her said it was the worst case of child pornography or child abuse they had ever seen. And and so she comes into our aftercare and she's going through the process. She's receiving she's receiving healing, but before she can do that, she's asked to come to the United States to testify against this guy. And imagine you're a nine year old girl coming to Los Angeles from a little village in Swicock. You're asked to go up on the witness stand. You got all these people in the courtroom staring at you. The only words you understand are those that are being translated to you. And the guy who horribly abused you was just 15 uh, feet away from you. Mm. She she was on the witness stand for two hours. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's brutal. After her testimony, he was found guilty on every every count and was sentenced to 220 years in prison. Wow. And part of that conviction included pornography they had made and distributed uh, wow. of him having sex with these girls, right? I mean, it's... It, but the, this... This young woman is really, she's a young woman today, and she's a hero. She finished her program, she healed, she loved Jesus, and she and her husband moved to, back to Cambodia, and they're volunteering in our ministry for two years. And in our employment center, where the girls make jewelry, she's teaching the girls how to design and make jewelry. And every step along the way, you see how God has redeemed this kid's life. Uh, but the one thing she, she says to us is, I hope no one ever sees those pictures of me 
that that man took, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. and so that's one of the things about the, the pornography once it's out there, right? You know, women who yeah. uh, Christ, right? You get you get uh, you get rescued, you get saved, you get out of that industry. Yet those are out there, right? And who might sue yeah. those? And the embarrassment, the shame that goes along with it. Uh, and honestly, you know, one of the biggest problems is Christian men, right? We're the greatest hope, but we're the biggest problem. Statistically speaking, two of two of us are using porn, right? The, the Barna's research says that sixty uh, percent of Christian men use pornography, and I don't think I don't think Christian men understand what the harm that it's causing. Right, they don't know. They they don't. They maybe they understand the harm it's causing them personally and their family, but the fact it's actually impacting women around the world. And if there was a movement within Christian churches to uh, to really fight to engage men in this issue and fighting pornography, and some churches do a great job at it, but frankly, the, the vast majority of churches don't even address the issue. And if you don't, if with so many men involved in such a global impact as being had, if we, if we Christian men would really be courageous to stand up and, and wow. confess right and work with one another, there's tons of resources. I mean, it just, there's tons and tons of resources that can help because within a church itself, Right. If you admit something like that, there's a there's a chance that you're going to be shamed, right? And certainly not considered heroic. But if you have the courage to speak up and seek help and join other men in the battle, man, that's that's courageous. That's heroic. And if we had more Christian men doing that, the truth is, it would impact sex trafficking in a positive way. It would reduce the man, right? And in the end. That's that's the bottom line. Mm. I mean, all the good things we can do, and there's ways you can prevent sex trafficking uh, that don't deal with demand. Don, thank you so much. Don, thank you for your important work. Thank you for sharing those stories with us. I'm feeling a little bit more of the weight of exactly what we're talking about, even just hearing from you and the important work you're doing. So thank you for AIM. Thank you for Agape International Missions and for sharing with us some of your story. I know the hope of the gospel is brighter than any darkness we see, but it doesn't make the darkness less serious. And so I'm I'm hoping, too, that people just hearing your story and hearing what you're doing helps bring uh, attention and hope into a world that is so dark. So thank you, Don. Mm -hmm. Let's do some real quick wrap-up on what would we tell people to do practically. The, the majority of folks that we've been counseling, that there are some, sure, that are going in and, 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 and sin escalates, right? So we need to be clear about that. But I think sometimes you can, it can, you can conflate the issue too much and people can feel like you're not talking to me. You're talking to this other thing out there yeah. and it's super dark and super scary and that's not me. I'm not looking at some dude, you know, in a on a webcam and a, on a, on a, you know, disc card that I bought on the dark web or something, you know, it's like, I'm watching that 
you know, whatever the porn star that's on the, that's on the reality show, you know what I mean? Or yeah. something like I think, that, you know, I think that's what actually helps me is no matter where we fall on the spectrum. I think what is really helpful is, um, what Peter says in acts is he says, you crucified him. That's it. And he's talking to a people who literally were not there when Jesus even died. That's and so it. they're saying, uh, no, we didn't. Yeah. He's like, no. And this is Peter we're talking about, deny Jesus three times. Sure. Peter, who has now come through that shame portal and is on the other side with the resurrected Christ restored. and his yeah. hope and his restoration and his confidence to say, you crucified him and I did too at the yep. hands of Roman guards. And that's I think right. that's where it helps us to all get to that place. Maybe we are in that really, really, really dark place and still need to be willing to step into the light and we will find so much freedom. Maybe we're in a place that doesn't seem as dark, but I think recognize on some level we're complicit and Jesus has that's it resurrection power we've got to and my point is we got to connect the dots yeah. for them which I think we've done a good job of so far to say hey even if you're you know doing whatever like you got to understand how it fuel it's all connected and it's it is fueling all connected. it and it's, yeah. yeah 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 yeah, and it's good. not. I mean, things seem more innocent than they are. Sure, right. And so we're not saying we like to either think that of ourselves we're all is more innocent. Than sure, we are. absolutely. That's First Corinthians. Yeah. We we would find ourselves innocent, but we think of ourselves as not contributing to something global. But it's important to think about that. But I love what you said about we conflate it and make it seem mm-hmm. like we're not talking to everybody. Mm-hmm. We are talking to every. Everybody has their own version of sexual brokenness. I think you that's talked about that trying, earlier. Yeah. 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 So what? Does three out tr- of three people in this room. Yes, three out of three of us have a version of sexual brokenness that is unique to each of us. Mm-hmm. And it affects right. each of our marriages, affects each of our relationships, affects each of our desires to right. indulge in sin that the Lord's warned us against, That's right? right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So where do we go from here? Asia, you, your job, your ministry kind of helps people with this. What would you encourage a church? What would you encourage parents as they're thinking about addressing se- sexual brokenness, but may- maybe also staving off sexual brokenness? Yeah. How do we, what do we do? Um. Lots of things. So we kind of talk about a threefold strategy specifically with parents, but I think it applies to um, anyone who recognizes themselves as a disciple maker. So for following Jesus, that's all of us. There's someone who's behind us looking at us. And so just the idea of protection, which is kind of what you're talking about, maybe trying to stave some things off, um, but also equipping because the fact is on somewhere on the spectrum, we are all struggling with some form of sexual brokenness and we are all struggling against the spiritual forces of darkness and specifically against pornography. If you sure. drive on a highway, you're struggling with porn sure. because you are encountering it just by driving by that billboard. We all have to navigate this struggle. And so I think um, protection is important. Um, and so thinking of ways to head head things off and start to have honest, good, positive conversations about sex and God's design. Yeah. Um, I take great comfort and permission and courage from Joshua 835 um, when the people of Israel are about to enter into the promised land and Joshua stands before them and he reads everything. Mm-hmm. He reads the book of the law and it says he reads all of it, which includes parameters around God's story of sex and includes some really hard teachings about things like rape and incest and things that we would say, oh, don't talk to my kids about that. Well, he reads all of this with the women and the little ones present. Everyone's there. And so I think that gives us permission to say, hey, maybe one of the ways we can protect um, our kids, our disciples, each other is to just talk and have honest conversations about the good things that God does say. Like, let's quit focusing on the forbidden fruit and let's look at all this yummy stuff and what can we make with it. That's really good. Um, 
And so I think starting, you know, having that attitude when we think about protection, not control, but thinking about um, just protecting in that aspect. And then I think equipping, we need to um, be doing our homework, having conversations like this, getting into the scriptures ourselves and bringing that home for our kids, for our disciples, and just continuing to equip each other with truth. And then the final most important piece that we always talk about is just that idea of modeling this. That's what disciple making is. Um, that's what Jesus did for us. Obviously, he did that perfectly. We will not do that perfectly. That's why I love the ministry I'm a part of is because we acknowledge that um, the pursuit of purity is not some accomplishment. It's not abstaining from something until your wedding night. That may be part of it. I hope that's part of it. That is part of the story. Um, but all of us are conceived in iniquity. So it's that already not yet. Yeah. We are already pure because of the work he's done and accomplished, but we none of us are yet. We are all um, born with these struggles and they're going to continue, but he is purifying us. He's our hope. And so if we can just model that courage to confess, to be open, to um, ask our own questions, I think for so many people, the reason that it's hard to say, where do we go from here? And what do we do as the church? And what do we do as um, parents and disciple makers is because we don't believe God has a good story ourselves. And so I think just starting there and getting honest um, and getting to a place where I can say, this was my, I mean, this is in large part my journey with my own sexual brokenness is getting to a place where I could, I could go to God honestly and say, I don't buy what the culture's selling. I know that that's harmful. I also don't really buy the messages I've heard from church either. Mm. So what is your story of sex and how is that a good answer for these longings that I have or these questions that I have or these curiosities that I have? Good. And I think that's a healthy start. That's mm. great. Yeah, I really hope that what comes from today is that parents and churches, pastors become safer places for mm -hmm. people to express things they've been ashamed to ask about or ashamed to reveal. Yeah. And that we become safe places to confess and confess quickly, not to wait. And, and confess say, deeply. And confess deeply. Yeah, and, and great vulnerability yeah. and honestly, honesty. And that parents and pastors both uh, and and friends and accountability partners and home groups become a light in what is a very dark world when it comes to these things. When, mm -hmm. And what is a very, um, it's guilt-ridden, it's mm -hmm. full of fear, it's full of shame. And the light and the grace that we have to offer, I pray that we are more abundantly gracious and abundantly grateful than we have been when it comes to addressing sin. If there's anything you heard on the show that you'd like to know more about, you can find details on our website. Today's episode was produced by David Roark and edited and mixed by Chris Sterrett. See you next time. God bless. Thanks for listening.